So we have another uh, full day of practice today. We spent a lot of days at this point of the retreat uh, building the momentum of mindfulness and awareness, uh, settling into the container, the routine here. And even if it doesn't feel like it, you all are much more sensitive than you were when you arrived, much more concentrated, much more open. So day by day, we've been looking out into the hall and we've been able to see, you know, day by day, the, the quiet growing, the stillness growing. And speaking to you in the interviews, we've been able to see very clearly uh, how you've been opening, how much more sensitive, uh, how thin the skin becomes as we move through the days here. So just to remember that this is another precious day to practice in this, this very special environment that's so rare in this world, this kind of silence, this kind of safety to really be inside and be with ourselves. So we encourage you to continue to protect the retreat container, really keep the silence, keep the devices tucked away, the books and the journals out of view, Uh, Continue to to, um, be mindful in our practice of the precepts, Uh, remembering to cover coughs and watch hands and just all of those little things that we can do here to take care of each other. You know, it's such, again, a rare and and beautiful thing to be able to uh, take care and support each other, even within the silence where we're not communicating at all. Uh, We all want to be that person who is kind and considerate and respectful and a support and a refuge for those around us. So living here as as mindfully as we are, we can really uh, come to the end of the day and reflect with joy, you know, that this was a day in which we didn't deliberately cause harm, maybe even to to those little creatures, little small ones that we might not usually think about in the course of our ordinary lives. Uh, Not getting tight or judgmental or self-righteous around it, but just out of that sense of of metta, of caring, and being able in this environment to live really carefully. So continue to protect your practice and the practice of those around you today and to make the most of this precious time. So was there a question? Yeah. So the question is about the instructions on awareness of awareness, which is something that, that may, or not, may or may not always be in view you know, at different times in our practice. So just to, to preface it by saying that that's you know, yet again another aspect of experience that we don't need to go hunting for, we don't need to go fishing for. You know, if we hear those instructions and it's just kind of like, what? You know, what are they talking about? Um, that's fine. We can just kind of store that away in the memory banks for the time when it does become more apparent. And then at times it may come into view. Um, often we first notice it in those moments of waking up out of being lost in thought. Right, So we've been gone, there hasn't been any awareness, and then suddenly we're back. And a really um, defining aspect of that moment of being back is the awareness, that suddenly we know that we're here, we know what's going on. We might get some sense of just that knowing quality of the mind, the mind that knows what's happening. It's really quite simple. Um, the reason that, we can, that it can be hard to see is because it's so ubiquitous. <laughs> You know, that that awareness is present in every moment that we're present and that we know what's going on. 
But if we look, we can see that there's the, the particular experience, there's, there's what's being felt in the body, whatever's unfolding in the mind. And then if we're present, there's also that aspect of mind that knows, that knows what's going on, that's aware of what's going on. Sometimes that'll come into focus just for maybe a moment or, or a couple of moments. Sometimes there may really be a, a continuous uh, resting in or, or being aware of just the f- simple fact that we're here and not lost in thought that there's that quality of presence that we call awareness. So, you know, if, it, if it's in view, that's fine. Uh, if we find that that's a place that we can rest in, in the practice, that's fine. But it's not necessary to always, you know, seek out that place that is, that's hanging out there. It's a good thing to become aware of, <laughs> awareness, because we want to be able to make that distinction between the mind that is deluded, that's lost in some fantasy of whatever our thoughts are constructing, and what it feels like to actually be present. The more that we're aware of that distinction, which is really quite binary, the more that strengthens the tendency in the mind to to be aware and to come back naturally in an organic way to awareness. The more that we pay attention to that, that strengthens that faculty of mind. Yeah. Um, I have two questions about labeling. So the questions about using the, the labeling or the, the noting tool, which is one that we use sometimes, putting a, a little soft word onto whatever it is we're experiencing. And sometimes we talk about doing that in a very general way. Sometimes we talk about getting very precise with it. And, you know, what should we do or when should we do what? <laughs> is that right? Yeah. So, so this is a tool. You know, there's, there's times when this can be helpful to uh, sharpen up the perception of what's happening. So as we've mentioned, I think, already, the proximate cause for mindfulness is, is uh, clear perception of what's happening. So this is a way in which we actually use the thinking mind, kind of the conventional conceptual mind, to help us arrive at a more direct connection with, with what's happening. You know, so we, we drop that little note in there, sharpen up the perceptual faculty to help us to kind of arrive at what's really happening, arrive at the direct experience of it. It's like a little arrow, you know, that goes and like, you know, pins itself to the, pins the attention to the actual experience. And uh, whether that's helpful or not at different times will depend at the, on the quality of the mind. So some of you have been reporting, as we usually find at some point in the practice, that we maybe we've been using that tool a lot. It's one we find very helpful or one we've been trained to use. But at a certain point, it really feels like just too much. It feels like a big overlay of concept over experience. Or maybe it seems like things are, are flowing by too fast to be, really be able to identify them. So there does come a point at which that tool becomes obsolete. We don't need it for the task anymore. So to, to feel free to drop that when we feel like it's not being helpful. Some of us also uh, tend to be kind of heady, tend to be kind of conceptual. 
and they find that that activity of trying to label just really stirs up that aspect of the mind. So again, for some of us, it may not be so helpful. It may be more helpful to investigate in this direct, intuitive way, just really trying to feel what's happening rather than trying to name it. But if, if and when we do find it helpful, we want to use it in the way that's most supportive of mindfulness, and that may change at different times. So in terms of noting very specifically, like precise sensations in the body, like burning, pulling, stretching, tightness, tingling, noting on that very precise level, that can be helpful at times when we're very identified with what's going on in the body. Maybe if there's some pain that's difficult, that can help us at times to get beyond that you know, huge sense of pain and overwhelm and get more curious and about you know, just what is this experience that I'm you know, feeling on a surface level as pain. You know, is there more to it that, that I can see, more of its specific qualities? Um, at other times, the body may not be so clear. It's like maybe when we're sleepy or fuzzy or confused, um, there's not the energy in the mind to get that precise, but we can just have a general sense of you know, heaviness or you know, softness, floatiness, whatever it is. Um, or we may not even be able to get that precise. We may just simply know some phys- physical experience is being known. <laughs> so we might just notice at times body. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is, but I'm feeling something in the body. So, so, that, so just to sum up, that tool is most useful when we note what we're actually knowing. You know? So we, we want the, uh, the note to follow the experience and not vice versa. You know, we don't want to be noting in-breath, and then feel the in-breath like it's a command. <laughs> you know? And we don't want to be using it to analyze what's happening or what we think ought to be happening or what we think is happening. We want to feel the experience first to whatever extent we can and then use the, the mental label to really help us to connect more clearly with it. So it's, it's part of the art of meditation. Yeah. You might have answered this question, but just to clarify, if I feel several different uh, things entangling, different sense doors, like sound and sight, um, is it important to separate that at all? Or is it just experience? So is it important to separate out different sense doors that might be noticed, it seems like, at the same time, like uh, well, sight and hearing? or uh, Like synesthesia. Or, uh, so the, it, when I hear sound, So having the experience of sounds triggering certain visual images or other uh, sensations in different senses, um, and should should we try to separate those out? Um, the awareness will know it as it knows it. So you're describing very clearly how the awareness knows it, that there's awareness of a sound and then awareness of other sensations or experiences that that, that may trigger. So that's already being known. So don't, don't make it too complicated. You know, if it feels helpful to label one of those aspects, you know, or a string of those experiences as they unfold, then do. But if it's just already naturally being known, which it sounds like it is, then don't need to make it too complicated. Yeah. Yeah, it can be, you know, it takes a little bit of, you know, experimenting to, to see where that line is, where it's just, it just, it's just fine to let go of the noting and it's not necessary or helpful. Yeah. 
Um, I wanted to ask about um, what seems like a, a paradox in um, mindfulness training and focus on present awareness um, as a way of seeing things more clearly and directly with the idea that one of the things that we um, can see is impermanence. But impermanence is something that seems like it's observed over time by comparing different moments of present awareness, for example. Um, so how, how, to, how to understand this paradox in terms of what we're directly observing and experiencing, um, helping have a clear understanding of things that can't necessarily be observed or felt in one present moment. Yeah, that's a really good question. So the observation is about uh, how impermanence, it seems like that's something that's observed over time. So if we're just really connecting with the present moment, how can we see that? Right? So uh, there, it's important to keep in mind that there are different levels of impermanence. You know, impermanence is a universal truth, but there's, there's varying degrees of impermanence. So there's a level of impermanence that we don't need to come here to see, right? <laughs> You know, even somebody who's never, never meditated, even just young children that don't really understand much of what's going on in the world, you know, see how we all get older. They see how people die, uh, things break, circumstances change, you know, so there's, a, there's a, a level of impermanence that we don't need any particular meditative training to get. You know, we, we get impermanence on these, this, this kind of macro level. It's, it's very obvious. Um, which can be a little bit tricky because we can feel like, oh, well, I understand that. I understand things change. Of course, things are impermanent. Um, but there are deeper levels of seeing impermanence. And this is what starts to reveal itself on, on retreat through this practice. And it's actually at the deeper levels that the deeper transformation happens. So there is a, a kind of and a degree of equanimity that we can get just simply by being really in tune with ordinary everyday impermanence. You know, if you talk to, to people that are later in their lives and they've been through lots of the cycles of ups and downs in their personal life and in, you know, kind of larger societal movements, you know, how this is, the pendulum swings back and forth, there's a certain kind of equanimity that comes from that. But the more deeply we get impermanence, the, the more deeper, the, deep, the deeper the equanimity can become. So there's also the level of impermanence where, uh, you know, like I was describing last night, we might sit and see an individual thought come and pass over a period of maybe a couple of seconds. That's a, a, d- a deeper level of impermanence, a, a faster resolution of impermanence that many people don't ever see because they don't really look. So it's not just that we're changing you know, over the course of our lives, over the years, but actually our minds and bodies are changing over the course of a few breaths, right? We get to see that here. So that's a deeper understanding of impermanence, brings deeper equanimity. And eventually it can get to the point, and some of you are having this experience, have had this experience, that we do see really moment by moment change. That the change isn't just on the level of a breath or a thought, but really that thing that we call a breath or a thought is actually changing moment by moment by moment. It, it itself is not stable for even a moment. That really all there is is flux. There's no stability whatsoever within experience. So this is a very deep level of seeing impermanence and it brings a much deeper level of equanimity. And that's, that's you know, it's an ongoing path. As we do the practice and we get more skilled in paying attention, being with the present moment, the resolution of what we can be aware of gets finer and finer and finer. This is part of the reason that the continuity in the practice is so important, so that the, that the awareness can really get refined 
moment by moment by moment. And when we get that deeply, the more deeply we get that as we work our way through the tree rings, <laughs> the more equanimity comes, seeing how there is no stability at all, even in a single moment, that there's nothing that lasts even for the briefest moment. It's only flux, it's only change. Yeah. So I think we need to stop there. We have um, interviews again today, individual interviews. And um, check the lists if you haven't already. We'll be seeing a, a mix of people today from the different uh, groups that were seen. And um, some of them are going to be in different places. Some will be in the welcome room, uh, some other places. So check the lists. And this afternoon at 3.30, we'll have uh, one final guided uh, loving-kindness meditation. That's 3.30 here. So please uh, enjoy and cherish and make the most of this uh, beautiful day of practice that you have before you.